sports is very competitive. There are only so many jobs in the traditional broadcast sense. And everybody who was doing what I wanted to do wanted to work at ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever. So if everyone is gunning for that job, I figured how can I differentiate myself from other people who have similar backgrounds as I do? Being able to try different things gives you just a little bit of a peek of what that person might be going through versus having the constant fights of on-air people versus production people, you know? Which I think makes me a valuable person uh, in my current job. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. About three months ago, our team at iHire, those of you that don't know, Work in Sports was purchased by iHire a little over a year and a half ago, and it's been an amazing amalgamation of talent. Amalgamation? I haven't used that word in a while. I hope that actually made sense. Anyway, the team at iHire, my team, people I work with, we launched a new podcast under the iHire brand. It's not a sports podcast. It's a career advice-driven podcast hosted by my friend, Lori Cole. Essentially, take what we do here and put it towards any career path, right? So whether you want to be a nurse or an accountant or whatever, there's career advice there and guidance and tools. I want to get off subject, but we took a lot of time trying to come up with a name. And you go back and forth as a marketing team on concepts that are clever versus clear. Trust me, I'm getting somewhere in this conversation. Don't worry, stick with me. You'll hear this a lot in marketing circles. There's an appetite amongst marketers to be really clever because it's fun and it feels good and it shows off our muscles for how creative and thoughtful we are. But audiences crave clarity. The audience makes quick decisions to invest their time or not. They want to know what this is about and why should I care? And so they, you don't have that opportunity unless you're Kevin Durant or you're a lot of ex-players or ESPN even or some of those other networks that have a huge following. You can probably teeter in that creative world a little bit more because you've already got a lot of brand awareness. Most brands have to focus on clarity versus clever. Look at NPR, Planet Money, pretty clear what that's about. How I Built This, pretty clear, a little bit of clever, but pretty clear what that's going to be about. Even ESPN, Baseball Tonight, pretty clear. Fantasy Focus Football, I wonder what that's about. So anyway, see what I mean? Pretty clear concepts. You know what to expect, you know what you're getting. So we titled our new podcast. It was about three months ago that we launched. It's awesome. You should listen to it if you're interested. We titled it Find Your Niche a career advice podcast. A little clever, but pretty clear too. But this concept of finding your niche always fascinates me and is very relevant for this conversation. How did I figure out that I wanted to work in sports, but then even deeper, that I wanted to do what I'm doing now? How did uh, Becca Jenikoff, who's the Dallas Mavericks social media manager who we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago. How did she figure out that was her path? How did she figure out that I wanted to work in sports, but I also want to work in social media and really figure out that fit? Heck, I have two kids in high school right now who we're trying to figure out their niche for. Where do they fit? Where does it make sense? These are hard conversations. I'm sure a lot of you are dealing with that right now. Not only a broad sense, I want to work in sports, but then layer it into, I want to work in sports sales, but I want to work in baseball. And you're trying to find that angle that works for you. So let's discuss today's guest in that context, because I think this concept is very interesting. Femi Abebefe identified that he wanted to work in sports broadcasting. He wanted to do on-camera work, covering sports, which is a dream many of us have. And he did it, growing rapidly over the first six years of his career. Bend, Oregon is where he started advanced to Spokane, Washington, and then ended up in Seattle, a top 15 market, 
in the first six years of his career. That's meteoric growth in our industry. But it wasn't until he declared a niche, a true specialty, that his career took off in new ways. Femi found a passion inside the world of sports broadcasting where he focused even a layer deeper into sports betting. And a whole new world opened up for him. You just get Aladdin vibes? Sorry, I didn't mean that. A whole new... I won't sing. Back on track. Femi discovered a passion for sports betting content and started writing and producing unique content in this growth market. Next thing you know, he's working as a top sports betting analyst at VSIN, which is Vegas Sports and Information Network, the top network for sports betting info, started by Brent Musburger in 2017. Think about this. This field is growing, sports betting, esports. You're looking at those dynamics. You're aligning your passions with it, understanding there's growth and opportunity there. Why are we always talking about where is the growth in our industry? Because we want you all to look at it and say, is this where I fit? Does this make sense for me? Is this the niche I want to focus on? Because as someone said, much smarter than I am and much more clever than I am, the riches are in the niches. I don't know who said it or I'd give them credit. Definitely was not me. In addition to being on VEASAN as one of their top sports betting analysts, he's also the host of the GM Shuffle podcast with former NFL executive Mike Lombardi, one of my personal favorite shows. If you like national football news and an insider viewpoint from somebody who's run teams, Mike Lombardi's really good and Femi really does a good job as the point guard on that show. But when Femi found his niche, he really started to thrive in every aspect of his life. So let's embrace that concept. Let's think that way. And let's let Femi tell more of his story. Here's my guy, Femi Abebefe, sports betting analyst for VEASAN. Femi, so good to see you again. We met at Hashtag. It was great hanging out there. So thrilled having you on the show. Good to have you here. Thanks for being here. No, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it was nice to meet you at Hashtag Sports uh, when you came out here to Las Vegas. And uh, good to just meet a bunch of people out in the industry uh, at that event, which was really cool uh, that they put on here. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that we could connect and, uh, and do this thing. Yeah, this is fun conversation. You and I really got into the sports betting side of things. That's become a big part of your niche. But I loved your background story. I loved a lot of the conversation we were having. You hosted a panel on diversity and equity in the, in the sports industry, which was super interesting. Uh, so there's just a lot of topics we can really dig into today. But really what I I'd like to start with is just a l- understanding a little bit of your journey. When did you decide, like, I want to pursue a career in sports? And when did you kind of catch that bug for, I want to be on camera, I want to be a storyteller, I want to be doing this kind of coverage? When did that all kind of come together for you? Gosh, I would say this goes back to when I was in high school. You know, um, growing up, I played sports. Uh, I was a football player in high school and in middle school as well. Uh, played soccer like every kid in the Pacific Northwest when they're <laughs> young. Uh, realized that that wasn't going to be the sport for me. Uh, but it was fun to get out there and run around, play basketball. So I kind of dabbled in all sorts of different sports, but maybe mainly football was like my thing. And like a lot of kids, wanted to play in college, wanted to play professionally. And then I had to have the uh, the come to Jesus moment with myself <laughs> probably around <laughs> my sophomore, junior year of high school where I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be six foot five, 310 pounds and, and I'm not fast enough to run a 4-4-40. So, so the NFL is probably not going to come calling for me. So I realized, all right, how do I get to stay in sports and yeah. do this for a living without actually playing in sports and being an athlete? So I figured that media was the best way to go about that. And I was always kind of interested in media because uh, I watched a lot of sports at a young age. So I kind of picked up things pretty early and often. 
And I figured that this was either being a sports writer or a play-by-play person or on TV or whatever, like yeah. whichever medium it was going to be, I wanted to do something in media uh, because that was a way for me to kind of attach myself to sports because I didn't want to work a job outside of sports because it's my biggest hobby. And I didn't want to really feel like my job was just like a job and going to nine to five, like uh, unfortunately a lot of people do um, in our country. So mm-hmm. um, I knew I wanted to do that. And I initially thought I was going to want to be a sports writer, but then around the time when I was graduating high school, which was back in 2008, I went to Cascade High School in Everett, Washington. And I realized, I was like, you know what? A lot of things that I read about newspapers is they're not really uh, trending (laughs) up. We're not going the right direction (laughs) here. In this area. Yeah. Yeah. Not going in the right direction. (laughs) So I went to Western, I went to Western Washington University and I was like, all right, this is a good journalism program, kind of yeah. it's respected around the Northwest. I can kind of learn the uh, the ropes here. So I took a lot of journalism classes. I wrote for the school paper, the school magazine, and I just didn't feel like I was like just fulfilled from doing yeah. that stuff. It was a good experience to kind of learn like the, the brass tacks of journalism and like, you know, hunting down sources and writing articles and learning how to try to be concise when uh, reporting on a story. But it wasn't really doing it for me. And it really wasn't until probably my junior year of college up at Western Washington to where I stumbled upon a internship and it was to work for a local nonprofit video production company. And it was just kind of teaching the ropes of how to shoot, how to edit and all these things. And I was like, you know, that could be interesting. So let me see what this is all about, because maybe broadcast is a way because Western, they used to have a broadcast path in the journalism program, but they no longer have that now. It's public relations, uh, uh, newspaper editorial, then environmental journalism. So there's no broadcast branch as a part of the uh, journalism program. So I kind of had to go on the beaten path there and like go off on my own to try to figure out how I can get involved in broadcast journalism. So through that internship, which I didn't get credit for, that was just like a thing I did on my own. um, I was able to learn how to shoot, learn how to edit. And I told the advisor, I was like, hey, I'm really interested in sports. Like, w- like, would we ever do like some like high school sports games? And luckily enough, she was really digging into that. And we ended up actually doing the play-by-play for high school basketball games that were just around the area, around the Whatcom County area. Um, and I got experience doing play-by-play with that. And then I did that for about a quarter and a half or so. And I kept bugging. I was like, man, I love doing that. Like, we should create a sports show and all this stuff. And eventually, later on in the fall, we launched a sports show. And that's kind of how I was able to build up a reel. And, like, that's when I knew that, okay, I think being on camera and talking about sports is what I want to do. It was through those experiences. Because I wanted to dabble into everything and try to see what my interests were. And when when I did that, she pushed me to do it and I did it just, I was interested, but she kind of gave me that encouragement along the way and believed in my talents. And I was like, wow, like maybe this is something that I can actually do uh, for a job and for a living, you know? Yeah. And so getting those experiences to do the, uh, the sports show, I was anchoring really badly, but I was trying, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but, but we would do the anchoring stuff. We'd go out and shoot. We would you ever go, go back and, and watch uh, your old tapes? Do, Oh God! I have my old reel. It is god awful. <laughs> I have one. Uh, I have one from college I, too. It's terrible. <laughs> the fact that I was able to get a job off of that—I don't know. Like, thank, thank my news director, who we'll bring up later on here. But thank him for for seeing something in me that 
when I look back at that tape, I didn't see it myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that tape, it exists on the internet. Oh, uh, all right. I, Let's I, do a little I, Google I, so, yes, search. It, 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 it exists just so I can humble myself every now and then to know where I came from. Um, but I was able to make a reel from my time doing that sports show and all that. And that's when I kind of knew, I was like, this is what I want my path to be in sports, is to go through sports media and then do the broadcast journalism route, which uh, has been fun ever since. Yeah. Uh, good note for the listeners. I want you to understand something. What Femi's talking about is what you should be doing, too, in college. Try a lot of things. Get exposed to yes. a lot of different things. Find out what you love. The only way you're going to figure it out is by trying multiple things. Don't get so locked in on one <laughs> thing. But moving along. You get that first opportunity. I think that's one of the hardest steps in our industry is that first shot, especially in broadcast media. Crazy competitive, 210 markets total. I mean, sometimes Mm -hmm. two or three stations at each market, but not always. Uh, Not a lot of opportunity. Some places are getting rid of sports. It's just not Mm -hmm. always easy to break in. You got that first job in Bend, Oregon, which is market 188 out of 210. I mean, you got to get a start somewhere, right? What do you remember about that process, like graduating college and getting that first opportunity? What did you do? What were those conversations like? It's a grind, Brian. <laughs> it's a yeah. it's a grind to try to get that first job. And I don't want to say this to scare people or anything like that. And I also came from a non-traditional uh, broadcast journalism school. So maybe yeah. that kind of made things a little bit more difficult for me because I didn't have an internship that was in an actual newsroom. I couldn't say that, oh, I was going to school at University of Washington and I interned at King 5 or I interned at Cairo 7 or something like that. I didn't have that experience. My internship, which I was appreciative of because it was very hands-on and actually doing the job, but I didn't have that experience of being in a newsroom or, or people to vouch for me that were already in the industry. So that put me behind it just right off of the bat right there. And I can... Remember, I probably applied to about 120 to 140 different places across the country, which is it was insane. So just to back it up to when I graduated, I graduated. um, It was December of 2012. And I still lived up in Bellingham for three more months because my lease wasn't expiring Mm -hmm. until March of 2013. So I still hung up in Bellingham, was just working and partying probably too much (laughs) and doing that. But (laughs) yeah, but I finally I finally moved home uh, around March 2013, like late March, early April of 2013. Um, And all I did was I'd wake up, I'd, I'd go to the gym, work out. And then for the next about six to eight hours, apply for jobs every single day. And I did that from late April all the way until about August. And there were times where I was like, man, like, is this going to ever happen for me? Should I go to, yeah, should I go to grad school? What should I do? Like, like, like what's going on here? And, and granted, I also didn't know exactly what types of jobs I should be applying for. And luckily for me, I was able to find a mentor to help me along that path of, because I was applying to everywhere. Yep. I was like, man, let me see if I can work in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Let me see if I can work here. <laughs> and I have, I have no experience. And right. I have that reel that lives on the internet. Right. And I'm sure they're like, what is this person uh-huh. thinking applying for this job? Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, sports is, it's so competitive. So there's not a whole lot of jobs. I mean, it's... When a sports job gets posted for the folks that who are in school or who are young, um, there's probably about a thousand emails that get sent mm-hmm. to that news director or whoever that hiring manager yep. is. So that just goes to show you how competitive this industry is when it comes to especially sports, because like you mentioned, some stations are dropping sports altogether. Yeah. So just the, the pool is a lot more shallow than if you're going to be a general news reporter or something of that uh, of that ilk. So I was really applying all over the all over the country 
applying to top 10s, top 20s. Mm-hmm. Finally got the advice of uh, what are you doing? Stop doing that. <laughs> I love that advice. Sure, so straightforward. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. wrong with like, you? Stop, <laughs> yeah, stop doing what you're doing. You're wasting your time and you're wasting yeah. their time as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I finally started to apply to some smaller markets that were more within reason. And I got a couple nibbles here and there. Um, did a couple of job interviews. I did one in Helena, Montana. Um, I had another job interview in Medford, Oregon. Yep. Um, but it was mainly, it was my job interview in, 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 uh, in Bend that really was one that clicked. And I w- wouldn't have gotten that interview without the help that I got along the way. I got to give a shout out to one of my mentors still to this day, John Collette. He was a sports anchor in uh, Tri-Cities. Mm-hmm. He ended up working in Spokane, Washington, which we'll get to in a little bit as well. But he really took the time to critique my reel and took the time to kind of show me, all right, here's what you can improve on. Here's what they're kind of looking for. Here's how you should structure your resume. Here's how you should structure your cover letter. These are all helpful tips that I just didn't really know because nobody in my family had ever applied for a job in broadcast journalism. So they were giving me tips, but they were more so for for other sectors. It wasn't really for what we do. It's very different. And it's, it's very different. So I was kind of flying blind a little bit. So he really was like helped me along the way. And I kind of keep him posted and keep him updated. And I finally got a news director to believe in me, Lee Anderson. Uh, he's still there at KTVZ in Bend, Oregon. He's now actually the news anchor now. He's no longer the news director. But at the, t- at the time, he was the news director. Yeah. And he and he calls me and says, hey, like, what do you think about Bend, Oregon? I was like, you know what? I'm there. <laughs> it's one of many It's one of many places that I've applied to. So what the I'm heck? all Let's ears. do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I grew up in Everett, Washington. Bend, Oregon is about six, six and a half hours away. Yeah. I'd never even heard of Bend. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, it's probably near Portland somewhere or whatever. No, it's not. It's it's it's, uh, it's three hours away from Portland. It's right in the middle of Central Oregon, high desert climate. Mm-hmm. But I drove down there with my dad to do the interview, and the interview it went well. I guess or at least well enough yeah. for them to uh, to offer me a job uh, a few weeks later. But yeah, it was really a trying process and. I, I got to say, like, it was times where I was like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this yeah. or I don't know if anybody's going to believe in me. And luckily, uh, my news director, my old news director, Lee Anderson out there at KTVZ believed in me and really got my foot in the door, which launched my career. So you followed a common career path for young people that want to work in the in this side of the industry is starting out in a small market and working your way up. I've talked mm-hmm. to many people who are like, Pocatello, Idaho, Champaign, Illinois, Salt Lake City, or they're like, you know, Bozeman, yeah. Montana, you know, it, it's just this crazy map of where they've, you know, Macon, Georgia, and then they end up in, you know, somewhere else. But it's a, it can be a really difficult scenario, but you did three years in Bend, three years in Spokane, mm-hmm. Washington, Seattle, big jump, and then National Network now at VSIN. We're going to get into a lot of those stops, but when you look back, how important was that foundation being set in Bend? How does that experience contribute to where you are right now because you talked about mentors but just that that learning process early on when you go from like you said a non-traditional broadcast journalism school to then yeah. I'm in a market I'm making TV I'm on air and I got to go do all of these components what was that like I think it was big you know it was really big because not only did I get to kind of cut my teeth and figure out my voice and figure out where I can improve and make mistakes in an area where the stakes aren't as high, you know, because yeah. that's a thing, you know, it's like you, you got to be able to go out and cut your teeth and realize what you're good at, what you're not good at, and just kind of experience things. Because it's one of those old adages that somebody can teach you how to do something, but until you actually do it and get hands on with it, 
that's when you really start to learn and can really improve because the best teacher is experience, yep. you know? So that I think was a really valuable experience because a lot of people kind of scoff at, oh, damn, I got to work in some small market where I don't know anybody. Yep. I'm away from my family. I'm making shekels <laughs> at best, you know? I mean, like my first job, I'll say it right now, it's $24,000 a year yep. uh, was my first job. I'm like, damn, I went to school and I'm making less than people at fast food joints, mm-hmm. you know? Like, what was the point of this? I know. But it's like, you, you, you got to kind of have your... Your eye on the prize is kind of what I talked to myself. I was like, you know what? This is just the starting ground. Yep. And I kind of attributed it to to Major League Baseball. I was like, you know what? Guys get drafted. You're, You're in, the, in the farm system. They're in the minors. Yep. You're in the single A. You're in double A. You're not making much money. And if you can outlast all of this and eventually get to the big leagues, that's when the lucrative money comes into play here. Yeah. So that's kind of what I always told myself to at least get through some of those days. Because, yeah, there was days where I was like, well, at least one check is going to go to rent and the other check goes to whatever else happens this month. Gosh. <laughs> I, had the, I had the same and, thing starting out. Like it was like every month I was going backwards. I, my expenses were yes. more than my income. And it's it's yep. not easy. No, it, it's, it's not easy. And luckily I had parents that if things really got down to it, they could help me if I needed yeah. to. Um, I tried not to rely on them too much because like you guys already helped put me through college and all that. So I don't want to be like, hey, I need some money to, yeah. for groceries and all that. I tried to, you know, just you got to make some lifestyle adjustments until you can actually live the lifestyle that you want to live. Catch up with sandwiches. With a decent amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not trying to scare everybody. But there is some there is some reality here <laughs> that we have to be bit. honest about. It can be yeah, a grind, especially honest. that first year. That first year can be really tough. And we're just being honest. It can definitely be a yeah. grind. But Aside, that stuff aside, I think just the experience and one of the cool things that my news director did in Bend was that he allowed us to do more stuff and he allowed us to try a little bit of everything. It almost felt like an internship at times, not just from the pay, but just from yeah. <laughs> us being able to actually try to do different types of things. Like I did everything at that station other than weather. I produced a newscast. I anchored a newscast. I reported. I was also a sports reporter. I was a photog at one point. Like, Mm -hmm. not not as my my job, but I've just been a photographer just to go out there and shoot this. Because, yeah, part of it, what we got to do when it's not as many people on the staff. So I got to try literally everything. And I think it's one of the reasons why I think I'm really empathetic in my current job and in other jobs in the past of what everybody's role is. Because... For the most part, I've done everyone's role. I know what that person is going through. Oftentimes, I think you see uh, some on-air people like, oh, what the hell are the producers really even doing? Or what the hell are the photogs even doing? Or blah, blah, blah. Like, why isn't this? It's like they also have things in their job as well that you might not be aware of. So I think being able to try different things gives you just a little bit of a peek of what that person might be going through. And it just makes you a more well-rounded person on the staff versus having the constant fights of on-air people versus production people, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was was really cool in that regard to get those experiences, which I think makes me a valuable person uh, in my current job and in my jobs in the past working in Spokane and Seattle. Uh, it's so true. And and you, you, the, the division you're talking about of on-air versus production or editorial is real. And as, a, as somebody who was on the production uh, news director side, I mean, I saw a lot of anchors and a lot of reporters who would treat staff terribly. So just to hear that you have that empathy yep. and can kind of w- have walked in other people's shoes and know what it takes, I think is really mm-hmm. important. So let's transition to Seattle because that's a big market. That's a top 15 market to get into yes. in your first what, six years in the business? I think that's a huge compliment to you. It's also really rare that you get to get your big break in a big market that actually happens to be your hometown area too. Like those are your teams, you mm-hmm. know them, you know, you have that intimacy, that knowledge of them. That's that's really cool. Uh, what was that like as you compare it to Bend in Spokane? I'm imagining 
tiny budgets, maybe the equipment's a little older, all that kind of stuff. And then you get into yeah. Como, <laughs> which is one of the stations in Seattle, and you're like, ah, the lights go on. It's like you got a nice <laughs> shimmer around it. You know, like it's it's a lot different, I'd imagine. It's a lot different, and it's it hits you right as you walk into the building of, oh, wow, my new station is right across from the Space Needle, and it's in a really yeah. nice palace kind of a, of a facility here. Uh, all these bells and whistles. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, damn, I'm not in Spokane anymore. And no, and no yeah. shade to Spokane. Like, you know, that was nope. a, a really important time in my life and stuff like that. You know, it's, I met the love of my life in Spokane, so I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, but nope. it definitely, awesome. the resources you have in Seattle uh, are a lot better than what you have in Bend, Oregon or in Spokane, Washington, but it was really cool. And like job stuff aside, I think the most rewarding part of it was just being able to be in the same city that my family was in, you know, because yeah. I had gone away, like you mentioned, for six years where I was in Bend or I was in Spokane and they could see some of my stuff online or if I sent them some stuff. But for them to be able to turn the TV on and be able to watch me anchor the six o'clock newscast, I was the weekend anchor. So Saturday at six, we're doing sports or Sunday night, we're doing it. We taped something for Sunday morning. So for the morning people, they'd wake up and like, oh my God, like there's Femi. Like he's been gone, but like now he's back. So it was really yeah. cool to see their reactions. That was probably the better part than it was just for me being able to say that I've accomplished working in my home market, which like you mentioned, is a pretty rare feat in it our is. industry. And the one that I didn't take for granted at all. So being able to have my friends, my family, hell, I had like my kindergarten teacher was like, oh my goodness, oh, like oh. message me on Facebook. Like, I, I can't <laughs> believe beautiful. it. Like, I'm so proud of you and all this stuff. And like, it, it was just really cool to like get those reactions. In addition to working in a top 15 market where, you know, sports is a big deal. Like, I mean, we had the Seattle Seahawks before they traded Russell Wilson. Um, but yeah. it was uh, like getting to cover those teams, getting to cover the Seattle Sounders, getting to cover even the Mariners, even though they weren't as good when I was there. Now they're a little bit better. Uh, probably going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. But it was just cool to kind of just be in the same market as the people that really know and love me. So I think that kind of felt like home to me. But unfortunately, then in 2020, uh, that all changed rather quickly. Yeah. And before we get into that, I have one follow-up in there. Do you feel the pressure? Like, as you're going big market, massive mm -hmm. audiences, a lot of people watching, do you ever feel that pressure when the red light goes on? Or do you get into a zone where you're like, I know what I have to do. I block everything else out. And here I am. I'm focused right here at that camera lens. And I, I, I just wonder what that introduction is like to that kind of pressure. I don't feel the pressure like when I'm thinking about going to like, like probably like five minutes before the newscast. I don't. I would say probably earlier, maybe in the day or when I first get the job, I definitely do. I'm like, okay, I have to deliver because yeah. this is a coveted job. And if I don't live up to expectations, they're going to find someone to replace me. So that definitely, because like we talked about it in the beginning of this, like it's sports is very competitive. There are yeah. a finite amount of jobs at a lot of news stations across the country. Hell, there's top 20 news stations that are cutting their sports departments. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's something that I felt the pressure of. This is a job that if I don't deliver, somebody will replace me. But when I actually get into doing the job, I don't feel it at all because it's That's like, cool. I've, this is something that I've been doing. So get the job done. What do we have to accomplish? Boom, 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 boom. All right, let's get the job done. But I would say about two to three minutes before my sports cast, I would always get a little bit of anxiety, which I liked actually, mm -hmm. because it's just like a lot of athletes say that they get nervous before big games or whatever. I felt that if I no longer got anxiety or if I no longer was nervous, that means I didn't care about the job anymore, which I didn't I, want to be that. in that position. Yep. I didn't want to be in that position. So I, I embraced it. I'm like, hey, you're a little anxious. You're a little nervous. It's because you care. 
you want to do a great job. And then when the lights turn on, I don't get into that. Cause like at this point I'm like, all right, I'm doing this. I'm reading my script or I'm going to this and we're yeah. talking about whatever. So like that, like once you actually get into it, just like anybody, when you get into something, you're going to forget all that stuff because you're just focused on what you're trying to accomplish. But always about that two to three minutes before you get a little butterfly just because it's, it's cause you love what you're doing and yeah. you want it to be the best. And you know, and, and if you didn't, and you don't want to go viral for, you don't want to go viral for saying <laughs> something dumb. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't want any boom goes the dynamite moments on my replay. <laughs> I still love that one. Uh, I know. I, I, it's funny. So you and I were both hosting panels at, at Hashtag and i doing this podcast and you host the, the GM Shuffle podcast. We'll get into that in a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. I, I still, we're, we're almost 500 episodes into this. I was hosting the panels at Hashtag. I'm the same way. Five minutes before yep. every conversation. You get that yeah. bit of anxiety, but it does. It enhances your focus in some ways too. Whether you're presenting to a, a, a team at work or whether you're going on air, like, you do it because it matters, but I, yeah. I, I think that's a, a great point you made. Um, so COVID messed with a lot of careers, and yours was messed with. Yeah, you were at mm-hmm. Como, you're doing this dream job, you got this great situation going on in Seattle, and then you know that changed with COVID as they go through layoffs and cutting back through some situations. How did that affect you mentally, and how did you rebound from it? Because you had all this career momentum. You're going every three years, changing markets and building up that ladder. You get to Seattle, like you said, your family's around. The sky is the limit. And then you hit a bit of a roadblock. What was that like mentally? How did you get through it? You know, it was really weird how it hit me. Um, I I never got to a bad place, which I'm really thankful that I have a strong support system. Um, Like my family, my significant other, like they were really supportive of me saying, hey, you're going to bounce back. But I think the reason why I didn't really get to that bad place might have been because of the pandemic, because I started my job in Seattle in August of 2019. So we go through a full, full football season. We literally were at spring training covering the Mariners in February 2020. Uh, I go from there to a wedding in Minneapolis. I come back from the wedding in Minneapolis a week later, and the world shuts down. The world down. shuts down. Yep. Like, like yep. The world shuts down, and COVID happens. So now we're going to work. I'm like, we're remote half the time. I would still go into the station, which felt nice to have a little bit uh, somewhat of normalcy, because yeah. I know a lot of people that were working just fully remote. I mean, I couldn't even imagine doing that. Um, I had family members that were doing that, like some that loved it, some that hated it, uh, just depending on how social you are. But at least I knew like things were kind of weird and I was kind of on edge when especially sports shut down in 2020 because yeah. I was like, well, if there's not a ton of stuff for us to cover, I, I could lose my job. What's going to go on? Like what's happening here? But we go through all that. We were creative. We made up a bunch of different content and all that stuff to go through that whole summer. And then by the time sports came back in the fall, I was like, all right, all systems go. We, and made it. we tweaked some things. We, we weren't traveling anymore. And uh, it was weird covering the teams. We were so far away from them because the NFL had their own protocols with COVID and all that stuff. So we go through the entire 2020 football season, which was the, now the COVID season, we call it. Mm-hmm. And I still had my job. Everything went well. And then I was, I thought I was coast clear, essentially. Um, like spring training was back up and running again in 2021, uh, about late February and early March. We didn't travel to that because of COVID restrictions, but we're at least talking about it. And then we were gearing up for another Mariners season. So I thought I was like, all right, I made it through 2020. I still have my job. Everything's going fine and all that. And then March 2021, early March, March 3rd, I believe it was, it was when I got that notification. Hey, you have a meeting with our GM, the news director and HR. And I was like, 
I can't be hell? good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like I've, I've never had this. No conversation so like, like this so, starts so, and ends well. Yeah, not, it never does. No. I was like, look, I was scrubbing my through my Twitter feed. I was like, did I tweet something crazy? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, like, what did I do? Like, you know, I was I was coming up with all these hypotheses of like, what the hell could this meeting be about? And then through scrolling through Twitter, I saw on FTV Live, which is like a gossip channel for a lot of broadcast stuff. Yeah. I saw that, I saw on FTV Live it said Sinclair layoffs, and I was like, oh shit. Like yeah. this might be what this meeting is about. Yeah. So I texted, I texted my news director and I said, Hey, uh, is this just a coincidence that we're having this meeting today or what's going on? And I sent him the link to that tweet. And he says, uh, I can't say anything all that we're meeting and all that stuff. And I was like, Hey man, I don't want to be blindsided is what I texted him. I was like, I don't want to be yeah. blindsided. Uh, yeah. just be straight up with me. Like, what is this about? And he said, once again, I, I can't say anything. We have a meeting at three o'clock. And I was like, all right, that's the dead giveaway. I know yeah. that I, I know yeah. my fate essentially. Yep. Luckily, I was at home working from home because if they'd made me come to that station and <laughs> let me off, I'd have been pissed off. I would have been throwing like, some not, chairs. I, I, I mean, I don't know what I would have done, but I'm glad yeah. I wasn't put in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I get laid off and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, my family, the first people I tell, I told my significant other, my girlfriend at the time. And and I was just like, man, like, it sucks, but I got laid off. and But they were really supportive of me. And I think that I always knew that I wanted something else because I told myself before I even got to Como that working in Seattle was going to be my last local news job. Okay. So throughout the year of COVID and stuff like that, I had kind of been getting ready for, all right, whenever my contract is up, we can hopefully make that next move. Um, So I had kind of been planting some seeds, but nothing too much because I still had a job. So it really didn't get me down, honestly, from a mental standpoint. I was more so like, all right. They laid me off, but this is going to free me up to some other opportunities because I believe in my talent and there's other people that believe in my talent. And I think that this is just a chance to kind of kickstart an opportunity and chase an opportunity that I kind of had an eye on um, while I was still working here. So I almost looked at it more from an opportunity standpoint of not having to break a contract and actually being a free agent and being able to go out. And, and seek another opportunity. Well, and then you get to go national, right? So VSIN comes along, yeah. you get this positive momentum going back again for Vegas Sports and Information Network, which is the the world's best sports betting content network. Was that a uh, a factor of of opportunity that the sports this opportunity was there, or was sports betting something you wanted to transition towards, something you had an interest in? It was always something that I wanted to transition into. So the last year when I was at Como, that 2020 football season, I was actually writing like an NFL picks column each week. Okay, just because I wanted to get the reps of doing this. Because when PASPA was repealed in 2018, which is the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act, nice, which you nailed that one. Sm- All right. I uh, right? Sounds I was, good. You've said I, that a couple I times. It. <laughs> yeah, I've said it a couple times, <laughs> but bet. it's big. It's big to my story uh-huh. because when that got repealed, that meant that you can actually states could decide whether they wanted to legalize sports betting or not. Because before then, it was just restricted to the, here in Nevada. Yeah. So I was like, all right, if states can now legalize sports betting, this is going to become huge a thing, not just for people betting, but in terms of a content standpoint as well. I almost likened it similar to fantasy football and yes. fantasy sports, to where I was like. That really took off and became a thing. And there's so many content jobs because of fantasy sports. 100%. Sports betting is going to kind of be in a similar fashion. And I felt that I could get a leg up on other broadcast journalists because like we've said a couple of times on the podcast already, sports is very competitive. There are only so many jobs in the traditional broadcast sense. 
And everybody who was doing what I wanted to do wanted to work at ESPN or Fox Sports 1 or wanted to work at NBC or CBS or whatever. So if everyone is gunning for that job, I figured, how can I differentiate myself from other people who have similar backgrounds as I do? So I was like, I don't think there's many people with my background who really know sports betting well. So I was like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to like learn, read, listen, and even start to write my own stuff to try to learn this stuff. And that can give me a leg up. So I did that all through 2020. And I was kind of slow playing it because I knew Washington sports betting was going to launch soon. Good poker term there you weave it into. I like that. You're slow yes. playing it. I like it. <laughs> slow playing it a little it's bit. It's all part so, of your betting so, lexicon now. <laughs> it is now. You know, I say all these words all the time. I now. know. I appreciate um, it. I love it. <laughs> but I figured that. Uh, Washington eventually was going to start to launch sports betting, and they actually launched it in the fall of 2021, so right before last football season. I think it was the day before the first game they officially launched so people can legally place wagers in Washington. So my plan was to introduce sports betting more on air because I'd already Mm, done it on the digital side, on the website. Um, and our web guys, he was super open to it because we didn't have a ton of original uh, content from our yeah. sports department. So I was like, hey, like I'm going to write a weekly column and that'll give us something every Friday that we can push out there. He's like, perfect. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, I've been doing this on the digital side. But now I want to do it on air to build some clips to put together for a reel to maybe shop to network. Say, hey, I can do all the traditional stuff, but I can also and, discuss yeah. sports betting and all this stuff. So like I can be a little bit more versatile than other candidates. So uh, I didn't obviously get the chance to execute that after I got laid off, but because I had all those clips <laughs> you had a good plan. and I'd had a couple things, I had a good plan <laughs> to where now, all right, I can execute this. So I knew that I wanted to do it. And a place like VEASAN was always something that I had eyed in the past. I was like, hey, so a place like that would be a good place for me to go and really kind of make my name in this space. Because I've already kind of become, like, people know me as Femi, the broadcast journalist, the sports anchor, but they don't know me as Femi Abebefe, the sports betting host or the sports betting analyst. Yeah. So I would I would use the clips that I wrote. And then I also tweeted a lot about it. I mean, I got laid off in March of 2021, which if you're ever going to get laid off and you're a sports fan, that's the perfect time right. to do it. March because Madness, baby. You can, watch a, you can watch a ton of college basketball. <laughs> and that's all I did for that first month. Good I watched you. a ton. Of, I was like, man, I've always been working during this time. So this is actually cool to kick I'm the feet drown my watch, sorrows watch, in NBA, <laughs> NCAA basketball. Exactly. Exactly. It's great. Um, and I was, and I was tweeting about it constantly about betting and like the games and like the different lines and all that stuff. And the program director, John Goulet, uh, at, here at VEASAN reached out to me because we'd followed each other because I think we had some mutual friends. He reaches out to me and asks, he's like, hey, like, are you interested in sports betting? And like, like, is this something that interests you? And I was like, I was like, you know what? Actually, I am. Why, yes, I, I am. Actually, <laughs> yeah, why, yes, I am. Yeah. And in fact, I'm actually unemployed. So good timing. <laughs> you can have me. <laughs> so uh, that kind of kickstarted the That's whole cool. thing. And uh, I came down here to Vegas uh, in May of 2021 and did a few shows. It was kind of like an audition type of thing. Uh, did a few shows. It wrote really well. And then about a week later, they offered me the job. And I was like, hey, the kind of the rest is history. But uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy how it all came together. But the seeds had kind of been planted from early 2020 to where we kind of got up to this point. Definitely different going to a network focused on sports betting versus being an anchor in a, in a local market. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you like about the the VEASAN approach and lifestyle and, and how they go about creating content? What, how, what, is that, what has that been like for you? What do you like about it? Um, I love the live aspect of it to where it's not so, I guess, 
rigid. Yeah. Like a you sports cast is in a newscast. I can be me. Yeah. And it's not like, hey, here's three and a half minutes or here's three minutes. Do your sports stuff. And after that, we're going back to weather. We're going back yeah. to news. Um, I also like that it's not a situation where there's like a newsroom to where I have to be there starting at like 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon and I'm there all the way till about midnight because mm-hmm. there's, all right, we got the 5, we got the 6, we got the 11 yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, they, they, on my shows at VEASAN, it's like, all right, I got one show today. Cool. I can do my prep stuff at home. Uh, I can go out and do a three-hour show and I can come back. And like all that time frame is within like like a five-hour span. Yeah. So the work-life balance is a lot better here at VEASAN than it is at local news because that is the biggest thing why you see a lot of people, I think, leaving the local news industries that work like work life balance that is just it seems like it's either impossible or managers haven't figured out a way to to do it with it with also being able to make a successful product. My guess is that they're short staffed because they don't want to have as many people on the payroll. Um, so they kind of just put it all off onto the employees. But I would say that work life balance and just having a little bit more of a relaxed environment uh, is more suited for me because yeah. in times when I did uh, some news anchoring. I knew it wasn't for me because I was like, you know what? I'm too happy-go-lucky of a guy yeah. to read these serious-ass news brings stories. You, down. <laughs> you know, it brings you down. And and I knew I was like, I, I can't be a news anchor. I can't be a news reporter, um, just because I don't want that for me. Like my personality is not that. I smile a lot. I'm always happy. So I was like, All right, I want to talk about some stuff that's just non-serious, you know? Because mm-hmm. in the in the main scheme of things, sports is very uh, very low on the importance level of our society. I would say, but it's something that a lot of people love and are interested in too because it gives them that kind of break from all the tough stuff that happens in the world. So uh, if they want that content, I'm happy to provide it. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of funny, though, that you do a three-hour show now and it's a a shorter day than it was when you were doing three minutes on Como, which I fully know and appreciate. I get it. Uh, Been there. I know it's it's tough to Mm. imagine, but it's true. Um, Okay, so one thing I always admire about a lot of the sports betting analysts, much like yourself, I'm, of course, following you on Twitter. Um, and then I've mm-hmm. also listened to a lot of your programming. You have to know everything. You have to really know yeah. everything because people want to bet. It's not just betting football. It's betting golf. It's mm-hmm. betting Premier League. It's betting everything. How, how, how hard yeah. is that to feel like you can be an expert in all these different topics that could come up? You know, and that's the thing is that I don't know if I have to be an expert, but I have to know a little bit of everything. Okay. Just to be able to get stuff from the experts, I guess is how I would put it. Mm. Um, because like you said, like we, we talk about everything under the sun. Now, in the fall, it's mainly going to be football because that's what drives a lot of the betting handle. But I uh, saw you tweeting something so on Premier League the do. other day and I was like, but, all right, yeah. Femi, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I do dabble into a little Premier League. You I was know, like, I you're everywhere, man. Uh, yeah, you know, especially it's at a perfect time too. You know, it's usually on the West Coast it's early in That's the day, true. like around like, you know, 9, 10. The, the, the latest game is at right noon or so. So it always works out. It's a great secondary sport if people on the West Coast want to pick that up and they yep. haven't already. It's, it's fantastic to wake up and be able to turn on a game. Um, but you do have to know a little bit of everything and kind of just have a general awareness of what's going on. Now, I would say my expertise is definitely in the NFL. Uh, it's my first love when I was a kid. I mean, I remember being five, six years old, uh, sitting down with my dad and my brother watching football from 10 a.m. in the morning until eight o'clock at night. Um, and that was like our Sunday ritual. And that's been our Sunday ritual ever since. Well, ever since I moved away. Um, but so I'd say NFL is my expertise. But in sports to where I would say I have blind spots, 
that's where we rely on bringing on an expert that we have in house, yeah. or we bring some a guest on that might know that a little bit more. Because, like you said, we don't want to lie to the audience, and, and yeah. there's people that might want to bet on strictly hockey. Well, guess what? We're going to bring on a hockey guest who knows their stuff. They know the sport, but they know it from a betting angle as well, and that can help us out here to cover that uh, blind spot. Because there's just not enough days in the world. Now we do yeah. have some people at the network that uh, that know everything, but I mean, it's like, hey, that's also you have devoted your life entirely to sports. Yeah. Um, sports has been a big part of my life, but my life is not devoted entirely to it. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's 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 kind of the, it's like you have different balances and social life and all that stuff. So where um, it's just it's not healthy to, in my opinion, to devote your entire life to sports. But some people do, and more power to them. But uh, yeah, we definitely try to lean on the experts and. And the folks who have specialized, we can then bring out that stuff from them where we have a little bit of blind spots. How much pressure is there as the sports betting world? I mean, we see these huge contracts being offered to people to be doing sports betting content. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. there were always rumors about Adam Schefter get, trying to get drawn away from ESPN. There's just a yeah. lot of activity happening in the sports betting world. How much pressure do you and the rest of the team at VEASAN feel like to constantly be innovating, constantly be ahead of the curve, really sticking out for your content? Do you feel that pressure or is it just more of a we got a job to do. We've got an audience to build. Let's just get after it. Oh, there's definitely a pressure just because the market is so saturated. Yeah. I mean, every network imaginable has bought into sports betting content. So that just goes to show you there's so many options for the consumers. And with each state legalizing, which feels like one per month, essentially, yeah. um, there's more people entering the market who might be betting for the first time. And they have so many different options versus when VEASAN first launched in 2017, I mean, we're the first ever sports betting network and the first network that really dove into betting. Yeah. Um, ESPN then followed suit in like 2018 around that time and all that stuff. And then FS1, the rest is history. I mean, NBC Copycats. has their stuff. So yeah, right? Copycats. Copycats. We were first. All right. We were first. Remember, remember we're who here was first. first. Remember, <laughs> remember who was first. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, but everybody has something. So competition is a lot greater than it was back in 2017 when Vison when first launched. So I think there is pressure to try yeah. to get some of these newer customers who are getting into sports betting for the first time to try to bring them in and be like, all right, hey, our job is to, I always talk about the three prongs of entertain, inform, and educate. And that's what we try to do. And that's at least on my show, what I try to do. If, like, if I've entertained you and I've made you laugh or I've made you just kind of be entertained, that's cool. If I've informed you on what's going on, we always do that because you've been working a regular job. So here's some information that has happened while you were distracted with your actual job. Yep. And if I've educated you, because I always think like, like it doesn't just give you something because a lot of people like picks, but it also teaches you something. Yep. It's the whole like, you can give a man a fish, eat for a day, but teach a man to fish, eat for, or eat for a lifetime or whatever yep. I, we try to teach people how to fish and like hey here's a betting nugget here and there here's like a tip that you should look out for in the future to then maybe if you don't have time to watch us then you can do this about go about it yourself but usually when you give people those betting nuggets and those betting tips they keep coming back because mm-hmm. they want more exactly. so that's kind of how it works it's like it's not like oh if you teach them how to all bet then why would they ever come to see you no they're going to want more because we're not going to give them everything keep you know it's not going to be like yeah yeah, you keep getting better at it, and then they're going to want to come and hear some other things to help tweak their process along the way. I mean, when I was going through my time of uh, just consuming different sports betting content, I gravitated towards those shows that I felt like, 
oh, I'm learning something and I'm learning and applying it to betting on sports, which I thought was a cool way to kind of immerse myself into the space of, okay, I should bet on this stuff as well. And not like betting like the the rent money or anything like that. Just kind of just casual money that I might have. If I bet on it, I can actually be in it and learn it and and know what people are going through and be more relatable as a content provider in this space here. So uh, just... I really gravitated towards shows that always kind of taught me little things along the way. And that's how I learned this space. And there are shows that I still watch to this day, even though I have my own show. Also watch other shows just to see like, hey, like, you know, what do they got going on? Or just to kind of see different opinions in the space. Not as much now to learn anymore, but just kind of just see different opinions. But I really think that those types of shows that teach you something always bring you back for more because you feel like you're actually learning, which a lot of people love to do. You like to learn, you like to be entertained, and you like to be informed. I think that's such a smart attitude because I, I was one of the panels that I hosted at Hashtag when we were there was on Web3 and NFTs and all this really cutting-edge innovative stuff. And I remember asking the panel, like, how important is it for you to constantly be educating the audience? And they looked at me a little bit stunned. And I'm like, no, no, really, the more you teach them, the more likely they are to embrace it. So I I think your attitude towards trying to teach and inform and grow is like a a long-term plan that will help guys get audience back and forth all the time. Um, You also host a podcast. We've talked about that a little bit. We've hinted to it a little bit, the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. I love listening to you guys. I think you're great together. You have a really good on-air chemistry. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, I, I pick up on that stuff. I mean, I've been doing this for a while, too, and I, I, I like your chemistry a lot. How, why do you, what do you like about that particular format, and how does that compare to your other work? How do you approach it differently, let's say? Oh, I love it because it allows me to nerd out on football. Yeah, <laughs> right? Know? I know. It's, it's like, 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 like before the sports betting, before all that stuff, I was a football fan to, its, to my core, and it's cool to pick the brain of somebody who has worked multiple decades in the NFL. I mean, yeah. Michael Lombardi worked closely with with Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick. He has all these experiences. He was an NFL GM uh, for the Cleveland Browns back in 2013. Yep. So he's been there. He's done that. And it's able to get kind of that front office viewpoint as for me, as a fan who's never really been in it, I can get that viewpoint from somebody who's been in the front office. So uh, it's really awesome. And our show, which is it's, pre- it's presented by DraftKings and VEASAN, but it's not really like a betting show. Yeah. Like we'll talk about betting a little bit once we actually get to the games. But a lot of it is about how these kind of daily NFL news and notes apply to team building, which I think mm-hmm. is really interesting. I think it interests a lot of NFL people. So my role as the host of that show is to kind of, uh, I'll chime in with my opinion a little bit, but a lot of it is just to kind of ask questions that a lot of average fans would have if they got a chance to talk to a general manager. That's kind of how I think about the show. It's like, hey, if so-and-so on the street wanted to ask a GM a question, what would they want to ask? Yep. And oftentimes that's my questions are the same as the person on the street. And it's just like, hey, what did you think of this? Or what did you think of that? Or or this like, like what, what does this, this actually mean? Like, yeah. yeah, why did this happen? Why yeah. did this team go about it this way? All those types of questions that Michael would know because he has that experience, I think it makes for a really, really fun podcast. And like, like I said, NFL is my favorite sport. I could talk about it 365 days out of the year, you know? Um, mm. So it's no better way to do it. I think it's been a match made in heaven. I was bugging the guys here at Visa, and I was like, hey, I want a football podcast. Like, we should do something. Yeah. And lo, lo and behold, it was perfect timing because- Pretty good one. They were just about to acquire, they were about to acquire Michael's podcast. They're like, hey, do you want to host it? And I was like, hell yeah, let's go. (laughs) Wow, timing is on your side. I love it. It is one of my favorites. I'm not just saying that because you're on here because I do think that I, I like that approach. I like that knowledge of like, 
you have a lot of football knowledge, but also mm-hmm. you ask questions in a way to him that that as a fan, you're listening, you're like, yeah, that's what I'm wondering too, you know? So it, yeah. it just gets into a really good conversation. Everybody listening to this podcast should subscribe to that podcast. Um, yes. We'll finish up with this. You've done reporting in big and small markets. You've done editing. You've done streaming. You've done podcasting. You've done a little, you've done a lot of everything. As you mm-hmm. think about advice we could share to the next generation, I think versatility has been one of your big keys. What do you yeah. think you would want to share with the next generation and say, hey, from my uh, my journey, this is what I've learned, and this is something I think is important for you as you get started on your journey? I would say the number one thing I would give advice for the younger generation is to be yourself. You know, Regardless what you do in this in this business, always be yourself because whether you think so or not, the audience can tell if you're trying to play a role versus actually being authentic. I mean, one of the uh, one of my favorite compliments I always got from being in local news back when people would email into uh, to stations about, oh, why is this this or what's going on here? But we'd get viewers that say, oh, we love Femi because like you know he, he's like, he's just so fun to watch because he seems like he's authentic. Yeah. And when they would meet me out, especially in Bend, Oregon. Um, I mean, it's a very small town, so I oftentimes run into viewers, run into the grocery store, or getting gas or whatever, and they'd be like, "Hey, like, like you're exactly the, like you, how you are on TV." I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I'm not playing a character, right? You know? like, right. I, like I go on there and I'm, I'm myself, and I don't know how to be important. myself. A- authenticity is key, and that can yeah. set you apart because you know whether you think it or not, nobody out there is like you." You know, unless you have a twin, uh, there's nobody out there that's like you out there. Um, So it's like authenticity and tap into what makes you unique. Um, I think that's a really important thing for a a lot of um, uh, up and coming broadcasters and also like versatility. And just I'm of the mindset that always try something one time. And if you don't like it, then you can at least have an informed decision of saying no. Like I just I, I early on in the career. There's going to be things that you say yes to that you don't want to say yes to, but maybe it opens a door for you in another path. Um, Always say yes, as far as I'm concerned, when you're young and starting out. And if you say yes, you do it, you don't like it, you now know that you don't like it and you can cross that off for things that you don't want to do. Um, So I would always say keep an open mind and say yes, but authenticity is key. Keep an open mind early on in your career and also just... Just be a positive person. People yeah. like being around people who are positive. If you're a shit talker or a gossiper, that stuff gets around because this is a very small industry. It is. And you can very easily get a bad rap of, oh, that person is a gossiper. I don't want them in my, in my newsroom. Um, I remember when I was working in Spokane, our station manager, John Fritz, the best boss I've ever had, um, he would really put an emphasis on culture and our sports department. And he was like, I want the sports department to have a good culture that's positive and not divisive and cancerous. And there was times where he said, t- like, yeah, that person is really good, but I heard really bad things about their personality or really yeah. bad things about who they are in terms of just like their overall morale of a team. Like they're just not team players. Yeah. So I don't want them. On- like, they can be the next, you know, whoever. Yeah. But if they have shit personalities, I don't want to bring them in because I don't want that for our culture. So being a person that people like to be around, I think, is a big, big deal because, I mean, just think about it from your own perspective. Do you like to hang around people who are cancerous? No. So nope. why, do you, why do you think they're going to hire people like that? Yep. So unless, unless you are the top 0.01% of the industry, it, it's just it's, it's tough. And, and just don't be that person yep. because people like to be around people 
who are positive. So those are probably the three advices, that, uh, three, three pieces of advice, I should say, that I would give out to the younger generation. I think it's incredible advice and everybody should really listen to it and, and put it into action because you're right. You want to yeah. work with people where you're having fun with them. You can, you can yes. talking a little bit of smack over sports is totally acceptable, but yes. keep yeah, it fun, <laughs> keep it light, be a smiler at work. Yeah. Like this is, you know, it's, it's a good place to be. So Femi, this is awesome. I already told everybody about the GM Shuffle. Where can everybody tune into your shows on VSIN? How can people tune in and, and get to see what you're up to? So yeah, if you go to the VSIN Best Bets podcast is a great way to see all the shows in the feed or you can go to vsin.com. Um, and you can go to the videos tab. We have a lot of our updated stuff in chronological order. Uh, the shows that I do, I'm actually doing a show that's launching upcoming this week. It's a show called VSIN Live Bet Tonight. It'll be myself and Wes Reynolds, uh, six to nine West Coast time, nine to midnight on the East Coast. Uh, so VSIN.com, VSIN Live Bet Tonight. You can find it there once our new fall lineup launches uh, this upcoming week, starting on Tuesday. So if this airs Wednesday, this airs I'm Wednesday, not in it's trouble. perfect. But, Bri- but Brian, <laughs> if I get an email from a boss, and you air Nobody this will. earlier than that. I promise. <laughs> I promise this is airing go. on Wednesday. We're good to go. <laughs> this is awesome. We're good to go. VSIN live bet tonight. Everybody <laughs> tune, tune in. in. And like Femi, you this is GM Shuffle. Awesome. Femi, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation. Everybody subscribe to GM Shuffle. Tune in to all the shows on VSIN. So awesome having you here. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks, Brian. Thank you so much to Femi for coming on the show. A little bit of background. I mentioned a little bit in the informa- in the uh, interview there, but I went to the Hashtag Sports Conference. It's been a, a little over a month ago now. I've mentioned it many times on the show. It's a great conference. We're proud to be partners with them. And Femi was hosting a panel with a friend of mine from the industry, Brian Salmon, who is a anchor at, uh, at uh, Las Vegas NBC station, I believe. I might get that wrong. Sorry, Brian. But he's a top anchor, great guy, great sports anchor. I went up to talk to Brian. Femi and I started hanging out and talking. And I was like, dude, you got to come on and chat. And I'm so glad that he did because bundle of energy, positive vibe, really has good advice to share in there. I love his perspective on finding that sports betting, like that passion, that desire to be in that zone. And I think that's when you find your true happiness and work is when you've identified a broad section you want to be in, but then you layer that deeper and say, oh, this is really where I want to focus. This is where my niche lies. This is where my specialty is. So thank you to Femi for coming on. Thank you to all of you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. I say it all the time. Are you doing it yet? I hope you are because that helps us grow, which allows us to bring in new audience, which allows us to get better guests and more guests and all this content that we're trying to provide to all of you. So if this helps you, if you like this show, please help us amplify. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you on Monday.